Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. This is Don't Miss This on site. I don't know what we want to call this. On tour. On tour. (laughs) We're at location again. Right now we are in Colesville, New York. It's called Nineveh today, but you will want to know it's Colesville when you see it in the Doctrine and Covenants and all the headings. Um, Just a reminder, remember last week we had Hiram Smith coming to Joseph asking, what can I do to help? And that awesome section 11. And before that, you had mom and dad coming, asking, what can we do to help? The plates are back, remember, and down in Harmony, which is about 30 minutes from here by a drive. Yeah, by driving, by car. not by horse. Yeah, by horse, it's 35. I can make it in 35. <laughs> I'm from Texas. Um, but uh, what's 30 miles is about, about how far it is? 17 as the life. Okay, and they were crows. So that's just kidding. Um, so. Down in Harmony, the work of translation is going on and it's happening down there. Um, but we are at Joseph Knight's house, which is in Colesville. You're and just about to love Joseph Knight, just everybody. Just be prepared. Your hearts, okay, mm-hmm. to love this man. He's going to go down to Colesville and ask Joseph, How can you mean I help? Harmony. Or how, Harmony, yes, yeah, sorry. He's going to go down to Harmony. From Colesville. How can I help in this? What can I do? And that's where we get. Um, section 12, but we wanted to introduce you to him. And just so you know that he is a day oneer. He and someone else that you may have heard his name or read in Saints, Josiah Stoll, they were business partners. They were hooked up with the Hales family also in business. And that's how they all kind of know each other. And since they moved to Palmyra, because they had relatives in Palmyra, they've been hiring out Joseph and Hiram and Alvin to come dig wells. This well that's just on the corner, um, over here is one that historians think Joseph actually helped dig. And just, they, he, they're involved in all their business ventures. So they know them super well. In fact, Josiah stole, like when he, um, what, what, oh, never mind. That is somebody else. That was going to be a totally different story. <laughs> Stay tuned for another video on that one. That's a teaser, y'all, to get you to come. But they've just been there and known the Smiths and been connected with them right from the very beginning. You also love this about Joseph Knight is he was influential in the courtship of Joseph and Emma. He was there the whole time. Um, he he really was one who was pushing for that to happen. So you love that he just has a little romantic in him. Yeah, and they the jo- Josiah stole home, which is close by here. That's where they had like their wedding celebration and party and stuff like that too. So they hooked up Joseph and Emma, which is cute. Um, you love also that he was just behind the scenes in the work. Um, he's not one of the people you hear mentioned a lot. Um, we don't hear very many stories about him, but you will find if you go looking for Joseph Knight, stories of his just almost anonymous service. He just shows up where he's needed just when he's needed most, it yeah. seems like. And I was gonna say, we forgot that, um, like even like, did you know that both of those people were there? Um, that was just a stole that just passed by. That's funny, too, the camera's this way. Um, <laughs> the night that Joseph and Emma bring the plates down from Hill Cumorah, they are both there, those two friends. One of them lends him his horse, the other one his wagon, and they are just there right from the beginning. And all through like the translation mm. process of the Book of Mormon, 
there's this one story where jo where Joseph and Oliver are translating and they run out of everything and uh, no food. So they go trying to find like work somewhere and they can't find any work. Um, and they come back like, what are we going to do? And when they get there, Joseph Knight is waiting at the house with fish and paper for the translation with taters, it says. Just and he just was always there when they needed him. That's something um, you want to know about it. You love even when they move to Ohio and when they get to Nauvoo, he just is in the background constantly um, doing just he's just there taking care of things. Um, we love the description of him that we find both in this section 12, also in um, Doctrine and Covenants 23. So we're going to jump there just for a second to capture him from 23. This is in verse 6. Um, he's he says, Behold, I manifest unto you Joseph Knight. And then he's going to talk to him. And the first thing he tells him is, Take up your cross. And he's inviting him to be all in in the work. And Joseph Knight it just jumps in 100%. But I love this line in verse 7. It is your duty to unite with the true church and give your language to exhortation continually. Um, that could also say use your words to encourage continually, which I love that. Don't you want to be that kind of person that is just continually encouraging people? And you love that that's his calling, like from the Lord, is to be a continual encourager, which makes me think, I want that calling. I wish my bishop would call me to be the continual encourager of my ward. You can. It is actually the door greeter. Oh, but that's what they should okay. change it to, is yes. the continual encourager. And once I legit had it uh, <laughs> on our trek, the stake president called me in to call me to help out with trek, and I went home after it, and Jenny was like, so what's the, what, what is your job on trek? Are you like a ma and pa? I was like, no. She's like, are you like helping with all the material and luggage? I was like, uh-uh. She's like, are you like food committee? I was like, no. She's like, what do you do? And I was like, they told me just to go from cart to cart to cart and just make everybody happy. Oh, that's <laughs> so the she best said, trek calling ever. She was like, I think you're the trek jester. That is what she said to <laughs> that's me. That's what but you were. Joseph Knight was... I hope Jenny history. made you a really fun hat to wear on the trek. But, but this, okay. is the, he is, this is exactly what he's like. He just is there... To lift them up whenever they need lifting yeah, and up. he really does so if we go back into chapter 12 in the doctrine and covenants and we're going to go to um verse 6 and you love this part because remember this is why this revelation is going to come is because he asks how can i help and, and then add all this all these things we've been talking about that's what you want to oh, fill yeah. in in this what's the ministry of of father knight like yep. what what is everything he's oh, doing oh and you love that they called him that father knight oh, that's yeah. what they <laughs> called him it was so cute um so uh, I love how the Lord starts out and he says, now, as you have asked, and then he's going to go into this list of what he can do. And you just love that. He's like, well, since you, since you asked, here's what we're going to tell you to do. Um, and it's going to be to seek and bring forth this, the, and establish the cause of Zion. And you love that. He's just going to be a builder. He's going to be an establisher. That's what he's going to do. And, and this is fun. I just thought of that. Like they're still learning right now. We'll talk about this in later videos, what this Zion concept is. But I think it's cool that the Lord starts defining what Zion is with Father mm -hmm. Knight. That's like, so true. Do you want to know what Zion is? Let me introduce you to this man. Mm -hmm. Like that's going to help him start understanding what the yes. concept actually that's is. That's so good. Um, and I love that he says this. This is just for... Um... That, whoa. <laughs> 
Buffalo just passed by. You missed it. That was crazy. <laughs> okay, he says this. Behold, I speak unto you and also to all those who have desires to bring forth and establish this work. And you love that this isn't just for Father Knight. This is for anybody who wants to say, how can I help? Um, what can I do? And, and sometimes you catch the bug. You know what yes. I mean? Where you're just like, you kind of get a glimpse of how cool this is and how awesome this work is. And, and you're just like, you find yourself at night sometimes like, wait, I want to help more. I want to do something. And it's neat that God's yeah. like, so good. come on in. Um, and you love that he kind of defines what it's going to look like. He says to him, no one can assist in this work unless he is humble and full of love, having faith, hope, and charity, being temperate all things and then he's going to say this one line that is so good whatsoever shall be entrusted to his care and what i love the most is that joseph and emma were entrusted to his care and he did everything in his power to care for them it's interesting because as we study this time we are going to realize that this was a time where persecution was really increasing here. Um, in fact, they will end up leaving from this place. And um, a lot is going to be going on. Remember, there's the baptism. Um, have we talked about that? No, we no. will talk yeah. about that. Um, that has to be stopped. Joseph's going to go to jail. There, it's just ramping up in all of this persecution and this time where people are questioning what Joseph is doing. They're doubting Joseph. They're talking negatively about the work that is going on. And I love thinking to myself when I come to this part of church history, I love thinking about this lesson from Father Knight, that he was a friend to Joseph and Emma in a time when Joseph and Emma were desperate for friends. And he did everything he could to take care of what he'd been entrusted with. And that's the story of Father Knight. That is his story. And don't we need more people who that is their story? Um, it makes me think of our own time. And you don't have to look very far to find people who doubt Joseph Smith and the work of Joseph Smith and who want to complain about it or um, talk negatively about the work of Joseph Smith. And I think of Father Knight and I think to myself, I want to always be known as a friend to Joseph, just the same way Father Knight and the Stoles were. There was that little band that was just in it. I want to be in it until the very end. Yeah, Joseph says this about um, Father Knight. He says, for 15 years, he's been faithful and true, even-handed and exemplary, mm -hmm. virtuous and kind, never deviating to the right hand or to the left. His name shall never be forgotten. So Joseph, if you are listening to this mm -hmm. video, we just want you to know we came to this house to help fulfill that prophecy that his name will never be forgotten because it's the helpers, right? It's those in the background that really make the biggest difference in people. We'd love for you to think about what has been entrusted uh, to your care. And I hope that you don't think of organizations or programs, but that you think the way Father Knight did mm. and think people. We should have probably written that. Who has been entrusted um, to your care? So, what so a good. powerful, awesome man. So good. We are moving now. Oh, you ready wait, to move? Wait, no, oh, we're not say ready one to more thing. I'm wanna, not moving. I want to say this before we move. We're going to take a little pause right here in the middle of this video, and we have invited Jason Deere, who you are going to get really familiar with um, as this year goes on, from Nashville Tribute Band to sing um, a song. Just as you think about Joseph Knight, um, and this one line in verse 8, 
full of love. Oh, that is exactly who he was, was just full of love. So we'll have a little pause between right now and where we're gonna pick up again next. And just let you listen to that um, song, um, As I Have Loved You. And then where are we meeting next? At the Sugar Bush, oh, down in the Harmony, the Priesthood Restoration, restoration site, section 13. So we'll pick up there right after this song. As I have loved you, love one another, this new command, love one another, by this shall man know, ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. Okay, now we've moved over to Harmony, Pennsylvania, and we are just about 100 yards away from where Joseph and Emma's house is. Um, that's here. We are in what they called the sugar bush. It's a grove of maple trees that they would get sugar from. And this is the spot that most historians believe Joseph and Oliver would have come uh, when they met John the Baptist. And not this spot right exactly here, but this spot all somewhere back Actually, there. if you look down, you could see his footprints, That's but we funny. won't move the camera to do that. Um, their house is uh, where they were working on the translation of the Book of Mormon, which we talked about earlier with Joseph Knight helping out with. Um, and they probably got to about 3rd Nephi 11, where the Savior tells everybody about baptism. And like the pattern Joseph Smith follows in his life, when he has a question, he must have turned to all and said, well, let's, go, let's go ask. Yeah, let's go, because that's where God always comes to me, is in the woods. Um, so they would have come out here, and the account of that, at least a brief portion of it, is section 13 of the Doctrine and Covenants. So it's interesting because there's only one verse in this whole section. You could say it in one breath. Should you try? I was just going to say, should you? <laughs> uh, but there's a couple of really good lessons in that one verse, so we just want to look at those really quickly. Um, I love how it starts where he says, upon you, my fellow servants. And you just love that they're such a part of the work with him, his work with him. Um, I just think that's so awesome every time he's like, my fellow servants. Um, but I also love how he says, in the name of Messiah, I confer the priesthood keys of Aaron. And um, that as you think about the word Messiah, and we love when you take a little minute to think about the words, it can mean leader, savior, anointed, consecrated, set apart, holy. So just as you think about in that name, um, that's how all of this next part of the work is going to begin. Yeah, and to think, I just love that idea of fellow servant that combines all of time and the whole human family together. That like what John's been doing yes. in his ministry. I was just going to say, we need to just... announce who, well, we didn't even say who was here. Oh, surprise. With, surprise, it's John. John the Baptist, who, as far as they knew, and is this crazy? These two grew up um, Bible reading, from Bible reading families. They knew who John the Baptist was. They read their stories, his tragic death, that he baptized Jesus. I mean, he's like famous in the Christian world and in the Bible. And can you imagine him coming and saying, you're my fellow servant. We're in this together. And yeah. it's like, whoa, it's just wild to think about. Now, Joseph and Oliver have probably no clue quite yet what is unfolding here. But we want to just remind you that we talked about in section two um, that the priesthood is not like the priesthood restoration is not a singular event. 
but rather it's a process. It's a line upon line. It's an unfolding. Remember Joseph taught all of priesthood is just one. And so it's just coming bit by bit by bit. And the Aaronic priesthood will come here and somewhere, we're not sure where, later from this moment, um, the Melchizedek priesthood comes. So it really is just this unfolding of the work. Yeah. Now, if you were Joseph and Oliver, you would have walked away from this experience. They don't start using the phrase Aaronic and Melchizedek priesthood until like 1835 to simplify things. They would have walked away and said, we received these three authorities. Uh, we put keys because that's a word that's going to show up a little bit later on. Um, but they are right here. Uh, we also have this spot right here that might be fun to fill out to think about what was John the Baptist's ministry? Because when he says we're fellow servants, mm -hmm. we're doing the same work. It's neat to think about what was his work. And in that little line, he's teaching Joseph and Oliver, you're a part of that same work, which go as far as you want with this and keep studying it. But simply stated, John the Baptist was to prepare the way for the Lord in his first coming. And how neat that Joseph and Oliver would prepare the way of the Lord for his eventual second coming. It's so exciting. Oliver especially. I mean, God, Joseph's already God the Father and the Son and Moroni. This is like Oliver's first angel. And don't you imagine them walking out of the sugar bush and Joseph's like, welcome aboard, buddy. This is so fun. Um, okay, but here's what he says. They walk away and he says, I give unto you the keys of the ministry of angels, the gospel of repentance, and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. And just these, like, you now have these three authorities. I don't know if they know exactly how to use all of them yet, but the baptism one, they for sure know what that means. And from here, um, they will go sometime soon after and perform the first baptisms of this dispensation. And that's going to be the part we're going to do next as we move into Joseph Smith history, which is um, verses 66 through 75. But we want to take you down to the river for that part. Meet you down by the river. We are right down by the Susquehanna River. We want to jump into... Um, first, you should just like think about this place for just a second. So pretty. Um, so pretty. Really quiet. You just hear like the sounds of the river. Um, back when they came down here. Well, let's show you where we are in scripture first, actually. Go to Joseph Smith history. That's a good idea. Um, starting in about verse 68. So if you go into verse 68, that's where we just were in the sugar bush where we were talking about where you have the record of... In um, Doctrine and Covenants 13. Yeah, it just gets pulled right out of, of that, it. Yeah, right it here. gets pulled right out of this. So at the end of it, you see in verse 71 that it says, accordingly, because remember, John the Baptist commanded them, now go baptize each other. So they said, accordingly, we went and were baptized. Well, but we have to point out one really awesome thing. In Doctrine and Covenants 13, sorry, I forgot I noticed this last time I was reading it, and I was like, oh, this is so fun. In Doctrine and Covenants 13, um, it tells us that they've been given those keys that were handed down. Um, let's see. Um, and t and t okay, I've got to read you this whole part because it's so So the keys of the ministering of angels and of the gospel of repentance and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. And this shall never be taken again from the earth until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. But I love when you read, um, when you read it again here, um, you can change that word until to say that. And this shall never be taken from the earth that the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. And I just love the thought of that, that it is happening again, just like it was 
in the Old Testament, but then again now, they're, we're making those same offerings. Yeah, and then also just like a, a looking forward to um, what is to come as well. Um, you may think about that phrase and obviously your mind starts to go to temple. And I think mm -hmm. right here is a good place to point out that the doctrine of priesthood and the doctrine of temple always arc together. That's so good. And you see it in all of the unfolding of it and, and hints of it right here, right at the very beginning. Well, this place is so neat. And what we want you to look at in 71, where that verse 71, where it talks about them um, baptizing each other, um, is at the end of that verse, do you see there's a little asterisk at the end of that verse, and it takes you to Oliver's writings. So we get a little bit of his description, and he is a little bit more poetic than mm, Joseph is in so the history. Good. It really is so good. <laughs> and he just captures in words what you like see and feel when you come to this place. And you love particularly reading that with the image of all of this going on in the background, because all of a sudden he's going to bring to life visually this experience that we a little bit saw in 13 and then we saw again here and then Oliver's going to explain it to us one more time down by this asterisk it starts out with this which you love these were days never to be forgotten and we just love the thought of that that like especially as we were coming here as we were preparing for this trip and then we drove here from the airport and you start getting into this country and you you feel an energy of just excitement and I love that he kind of sums that up. These were days never to be forgotten. And now we're about to experience all of those things as we get in. And what's so interesting too, as I thought about is, um, they were running their regular lives. Like they were running farms. They were worried about money and property and stuff like that. But those aren't the memories from those days. Um, it just seems that when God is invited into your story, like that memory just becomes golden. It starts like, yeah. that's what they look back on. Yes. That's what they think so of. That's good. what they remember. So he talks about that they were translating the Book of Mormon. They had had that moment. Then all of a sudden they had this question. They felt like they should go in the woods. Um, and the reason why he tells us in one, two, three, four paragraphs in, right in the middle, he says, Everyone's found where we are, right? You have to follow the asterisks down to the bottom, and then now you're the fourth paragraph in. Yep, and then he's talking about a religion that is based, built, and sustained by immediate revelations. And we love those three words. We put them on your paper. You'll want to write down right in the middle of this page by this question mark that this is um, was, back then, a religion based, built, and sustained on revelation, but is so true today, especially when you think of President Nelson and everything that he has taught us, um, you know, over the whole course of his time as a prophet was that, um, that we are built based and sustained by immediate revelation, even still today. And so, and we heard um, a little bit earlier in this lesson, and then you're going to hear in lessons that follow that people just keep come coming and asking what's the next right step? Yep. What do you want me to do? How can I help? And, and that's how it moves forward. him to answer. Right. Which is yeah. what happens when you get down to this next paragraph, because the Lord, he says, who is rich in mercy and ever willing to answer the consistent prayer of the humble, after we had called upon him in a fervent manner, aside from the abodes of men, I love that thing he teaches us right there, that we had to leave the place where everybody was, right? They snuck away to that little um, forest that we were at, the Bush. Sugar bush. Sugar bush. <laughs> and then um, they have that little moment where God, um, I love it when it says this, the Lord condescended to manifest to us his will. 
And um, the bell parts and the message comes and the keys of the gospel are given that we've given what you a, a place right What a right cool there. word to th- like for Oliver to think. Yes. Man, wh- like what in the world are we doing? Yes. That, like that God on high would ever come down to this place, into this little crew yep. and, and visit us and talk to us and yes. want to be involved in and it. And be a know? part of this story, this unfolding and then we have two squares right here. And what we want you to watch for, there are two separate kinds of words in Oliver's account. Um, there's ones that describe the world and the condition of the world and the, just the condition of the people. And then there's one um, where we want you to describe what was going on um, in this little spot right here. He uses words like this. Um, the world, he says, was wrapped. Which paragraph are you in so they know? In one, two, three, four, five paragraphs down right in the middle. It says, while the world was, think about these words, racked, distracted, groping as the blind, uncertain. Um, if you go down a little bit farther, almost to the middle of the last paragraph, he's u- still using words like that. Um, seduce the foolish, the untaught that fiction feeds the many, that there's the fruit of falsehoods. Who loves his words right now? He's so <laughs> descriptive with it's all of It's a school teacher, so no wonder. So on one hand, you have all that going on that he's describing for you. And then on the other hand, he's using words like this. When, um, when all of that happened, he says, it was as the blaze of day above the glitter of the May sunbeam. Um, and um, he, he talks about the... I love this line, while his love enkindled upon our souls, that you've got all these words that are just light. And um, I love that word glitter, especially when you think about what's going on right there behind us, that you just can imagine the difference between that darkness, that uncertainty, everything that was happening there. And then all of a sudden, this light and this answer that was going to come. And then he, um, I love when he says this, but dear brother, think, Further think for a moment. Like, don't just think about what I'm telling you right now, but I want you to think a little bit further what I'm telling you, what joy filled our hearts and with what surprise we must have bowed because just like what you were saying, that this is Oliver's first experience. And then this is the verse um, where it changes that word until to that um, is from Oliver's account. And I just love that when instead of having it be some future thing that he's letting you realize this is happening, this is happening now we are part of this work and this is um what's happening that the sons of levi may yet offer an offering unto the lord and i just i love that he is like wants to own that piece of the work and what's happening there it's so good yeah um at the end of the paragraph right before that he just says um he's asked this question Mm -hmm. where was room for doubt and he says nowhere. And just imagine for a second, from day one, there has been persecution and a pushback against um, God's visit to Joseph Smith and his and everything that's happening on. And I love that Oliver holds on to these other experiences that he has had. He's not thinking about the questions. He's not thinking about the lack of money. He's not thinking about all the problems, but he's thinking about we've been visited and we're experiencing it and it's happening. And is there any room for doubt? Where is there doubt? And he says, nowhere. Remember when he had said in his section, cast your mind on the night, right? When, when God visited you, that still seems to be what he is doing. And you love at the end of this little part that Oliver's talking about, um, he goes back in again to talk about, this is what's going on. There, there is the foolish and the untaught and the, um, 
fiction and there's all of those things going on. And then he says this line that is so good. Um, he says, but one touch with the finger of his love. Yes, one ray of glory from the upper world or one word from the mouth of the Savior from the bosom of, of eternity strikes it all into insignificance. That's all it takes. And I just love that of one touch with the finger of his love because how many of us have experienced that one touch? And if you look backward over your life, can you think of that moment that took everything else that was insignificant away and, and there was no room for doubt after that. Um, we have this little box up here that I love that talks about one of the days I will never forget and it's so tiny. Don't try and write that day in that little box, but we're hoping you'll go over into the journal pages and just write down there. Um, maybe you have one of those days that you will never forget. One of those days when you felt the touch of his divine love. And that moment when just all doubt was washed away and um, there just was no room for doubt because of that moment. And maybe you'll make a record of that. Um, we love that this turns into a ripple effect is what happens um, as we go back into Joseph Smith history and we start watching in, where did we love in 73? Uh, 74, yeah. So we left off in 71 where it happens. But then if you then look what happens, first, oh yeah, you love this. immediately, immediately when we starts. came up out of the water, you just love it. Immediately when we came up out of this water, <laughs> we experienced great and glorious blessings and um, he talks about one of the very first things that they felt was the spirit of prophecy and that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and rejoiced in the God of our salvation. And then we love what starts happening in 74. Yeah, and I just think it's so awesome that God is giving them this gift right at the very beginning because, man, they have no idea what is in front of them. Mm. And so from the very beginning to get this vision of the whole end game, to just see and, and experience this is going to give them so much strength. But then he says in 74, our minds started to understand the scriptures better, what their true meaning and intentions were, some of the mysterious passages. And then in the 75, it says this, all this mobbing started to like happen, which is another ripple effect that anytime God sets up his kingdom on the earth, this kingdom of light, you can be sure that um, the devil is going to try and set up his kingdom as well. And you see that happening. Um, but, he, but he says this in the middle of it, even though all this mobbing and everything started to happen, it was counteracted by the influence of my wife's father's family under divine providence. And they started to become more friendly to me. And I love that idea of one, if darkness starts to increase, that God is going to counteract that with divine providence. And a lot of time that divine providence comes through the kindness of other people, which we saw at the beginning of this mm. lesson with Joseph Knight. That is just watch, let Satan send as many of his forces, but God will also send his angels on both sides of the veil to counteract. It just takes one so touch, good. one word, that's it. And I love just as we look at this, lots of times I'll have people come up and say to me, how, um, how do you pull these things out of the scriptures? How do you see these things in the scriptures? And I think just over time, you get more and more used to it. But I also love that they give us a key right here in 73 and 74. Um, right at the end of 73, he says, we were filled with the Holy Ghost and rejoiced in the God of our salvation. And because that happened, because they were filled with the Holy Ghost, our minds being now enlightened, we began to have the scriptures laid open to our understanding. And 
listen to this line. It was revealed to us in a manner which we never could attain to previously nor ever before had thought of. And I think that is such a good key for getting into the scriptures is to realize if we'll ask for the spirit to be part of the reading with us, if we'll invite the Holy Ghost into that experience, that's one thing that the Holy Ghost can help us with is that it can reveal to us in a manner which we could not attain to previously or by ourselves or um, help us think things that we've never before thought of. And I love that gift. Don't you think that's awesome? So good. Just the thought of that. So, so many good things in here. Oh, so many good lessons right. all the way around from Joseph Knight all the way down to um, this moment and these accounts of these good, good days that were never to be forgotten. So good. Okay, we'll see you next time. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.